welcome back to another episode of uh, Relatable Chapters. I think this will be episode 20. Oh, Um, hell yeah. So we've made it this far and today I'm joined with Amber Palmer. How's it going? Yeah, good. You know, 20 is my birthday. 20th of July. It's meant to be. Holy heck. That's cool. There we go. Your opening, um, your opening uh, theme song is a bit of a banger. Yeah, you can thank. <laughs> I tried not to sing along as it was playing. Sing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you got some lyrics. You to don't go need with words. I need. I need to make it into a uh, the next next guy remix thing. I'll try learning it on guitar for you. <laughs> um. So Amber, you are one of my oldest friends. Not oldest, longest friends. You're the same age as me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before we get into how I know you, three things that you're grateful for today. Three things I'm grateful Well, I just came from spending some quality time with my family. I'm incredibly grateful for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll know I've got a brand new niece. Well, she's six months old now, but um, absolute light of my life at the moment. So that's top tier. I'm very grateful. I'm, um, I've got a good community of friends like yourself. Like you say, we've been friends Many years, our life paths have gone in different directions, but to have a good community of friends like yourself um, to share experiences with and I can trust and um, grow together is yeah, something I'm incredibly grateful for. And I'm healthy. Roof over my head, food in my mouth. Nice. <laughs> nice. Sorry, it's a bit plain, but... No, all that, that's all it is, basics. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, fuck, I really need to think about these, though. <laughs> uh, I'm grateful for having a computer to do all this. Uh, I suppose you could call the admin side of this uh, podcast. Um, I'm grateful for our long-lasting friendship. Uh, you've saved me, not or maybe saved me, but you've come to my aid many, many times. So I'm grateful for you. Um, and many years? Well, since twelve. Year seven. Since fourteen oh, years. Fourteen. No, since 10 years old. It'll be 16. Yeah. Oh, or 11. No. 11. Yeah. Holy heck. We've yeah. known each other for the majority of our lives. Wow. There you go. <laughs> um, and I'm grateful for pens. There you go. Oh, pens yeah. Pens to about to write stuff. The power of a pen. Man, where would you be without a pen? <laughs> I use notes on my phone, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We'll, we'll, stop <laughs> we'll stop before I digress. <laughs> um, so how do I know the guests? So there we go. I just mentioned uh, we went to intermediate with each other in the uh, dumb liquors unit at Myrtle. <laughs> what? The DLU. What did you call it? The dumb liquors unit. I didn't I didn't call it that. Just to let the audience know, I certainly <laughs> didn't call it that. I don't, I don't remember what it was called, but in room four. Myrtle Intermediate. Yeah. And, and then you went to Fraser from there. Sure did. And I went to Boys High, uh, Hamilton Boys, uh, so you obviously didn't go there. No, um, I tried. <laughs> I tried and they um, yeah, brutally declined my application, which was incredibly rude, but that's fine. That's Fraser. Right. You became <laughs> Head Girl, Deputy Head Girl? Yeah, yeah, Head Girl, yeah. Head Girl, yeah. Yeah, yeah you wouldn't have done that at Boys High. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but from there, you also had uh, friends from Midal that you went through to Fraser and still with them, so the ones you are talking about before. Mm, mm-hmm. So you've had... Majority of your friends for majority of your life. Um, well, yeah, actually. So let's go back to the thing I'm grateful for. Nobody talks about it, and it's something I didn't really realise until I was maybe 18 or 19 because I've got a younger sister. And watching her go through high school, 
how important it is picking your friend group, mm-hmm. especially at that age, right? You're so influenced. Mm. The community you build around you largely influences how you then act okay. and become, right? The friends I chose, thank God, past Amber, honestly, <laughs> I've got some awesome friends. We're all like very unique in our own ways, but yeah, I've been friends with, so I've got four really, really close girlfriends and I've known them since, uh, well, Bianca since I was 10, but most of them, yeah, since I was about 12, 13 years mm. old. Um, and you know, we there were periods in our lives where we went off and did different things and grew off in, independently, um, but we always sort of found a way back um, to lean on each other, which is really, really cool. And now I live with two of them. Oh, that's also. easy then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another another thing I'm really grateful for. Pick pick good friends. Pick good friends. Yeah. Yeah. Wise words. <laughs> um, so how we stuck around after Intermediate was working at the warehouse, the Waddy Fuddy. The Red Shed. Yeah. Um, so that was where we kind of reconnected again. Um, I always did a Sunday shift, but I'd see you in and around, and you worked with my mum, so yeah, known through there. Uh, obviously, social media was helpful. Bumped into you a bit at university, but not really. Completely different degrees, um, and you just been in touch. Eh? No, really cool. It's that thing, right? You go off and do your own thing, but those certain friends that you just sort of seem to keep gravitating towards. Are the ones you value the most, isn't it? Add value, yeah, back and forth, 100%. Yeah. If you never added value, then <laughs> see you later. I thought you just said I never added <laughs> oh, value. No, I'm saying if you never did, we wouldn't be <laughs> here just, today. <laughs> right, Benny, let's go. <laughs> uh, so everyone has a beginning. What was your upbringing like? Um, it was a little bit all over the place, to be mm-hmm. fair. Um won't dive into it too heavy, I guess, but, it, you know, if you, if I think of it like this, like if I had total control to write the storyline of my upbringing, it probably wouldn't be what it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, if I had control now to go back and change it, I probably wouldn't either, which might sound strange, but um, I think it moulded some of the characteristics of me as a person now that I wouldn't want to change because I don't know if I would be the person I am now without some of the things. That I went through, but I mean, just as a top line view, um, my mum and dad split when I was about five years old, which wasn't completely traumatic. I was five, I was quite young, I didn't really mm-hmm. understand what was going on, and to be honest, it was for the greater good. They um, loved each other a lot, but they were young, and they just weren't meant to mm-hmm. be for each other, um, and you shouldn't force yourself to stay with someone just because you have kids, so um, they had... At that had stage, you are one of three? Yeah, yeah. So they had three girls together, my two older sisters and then myself. Um, and they separated. Mum moved us, me and my two older sisters, to Hamilton. Dad stayed in Whangarei, which is where I grew up. Oh, I was born in Whangarei, but I grew up in a small town called Hikurangi, which was like 10, 15-minute drive north of Whangarei. Um, and then Dad shortly after moved up to Kirikiri, Um so yeah, that was the start, but um, moved to Hamilton, grew up there, um, mum met someone else, dad met someone else, my sibling <laughs> community grew. Um, community. <laughs> I've nice. got a lot of siblings. I've got my two older sisters, my mum had another boy and another girl, and then dad had two more girls, uh, and my stepson, oh, my stepson, <laughs> <laughs> my stepbrother, Zane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of siblings. Um, 
But yeah, the household I was in probably from when I was about six to thirteen was pretty turbulent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the best. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't the best. I mean, I'll probably just leave it at that. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know. yeah. No, that's that's what you need to say. But uh, I mean, hey, like if put it in hindsight, I know there's many people out there who haven't had the best childhood. Mm. So I'm certainly not going to put like that. Doesn't I don't know how to put it. Probably don't dig into it too much because yeah. like, oh, what extra value am I going to get from it? From I think dwelling on yeah, I, it could have been. Could have been better, so could have been worse. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It obviously wasn't the best, but um, yeah, it certainly built me into the person I am now. And then from about 14 upwards, things got better. Um, and here I am today. So <laughs> this is where I come into turning points. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of the turning points came from you. Oh, that's nice. Cool. Um, one day we were having dinner and we were discussing uh, eight turning points of your life. You did it with a few of your friends. Yeah, moments of influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two points. Yep, yep. And a way to, uh, I suppose, flow through this, because I wanted to talk to people when I started this about yeah, chapters, I defined as chapters, stories, what influenced them, like hardship kind of thing, and then how they got out of it, what what came out of it and stuff like that. And turning points, what's a good way to put it? And like you said, eight, when we were initially talking about it, I always struggled myself so whenever I ask a guest it was like four to six turning points and then that's the way we can flow through a conversation and then go chronological order mm. in a way um many chapters can be going at the same time but that was a, a good way to I suppose distinguish a start mm. and the end of a chapter mm. um so I've asked you f- to see if you can come up with some yeah what did you come up with <laughs> I didn't do my homework that well, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I think I vaguely um, remember a few of them, so I've got I've only got notes on a few of them, but Okay. Let's yep. see see what we got. I'll spitball this, that's fine. I guess maybe just to my um definition of turning point, as you put it, or moments of influence is and it's something a couple of my good friends showed me. Um and it it sort of forces you to take stock on your life and identify and it could have been one big event, experience, something that happened quickly or something that lasted over a period of time that uh, from that moment forward changed your perspective on something in particular and from that moment forward you lived your life slightly differently because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I define it. So that's why you could probably think of it if you really took stock and really deep-dived. Mm. Um, four to six, for me, I probably rattled one off already, but my parents separating... There was traumatic moment, oh, not traumatic, dramatic moment of influence because I lived in Hamilton and I lived in Hamilton right from when I was five to twenty-two. Um, so that was a big one. Um, both my mum and dad building new families is another one, um, for better or for worse. I mean, I've got um, new, you know, siblings that came out of that, which I love and I'm incredibly grateful for. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then that obviously started a new chapter, which wasn't mm-hmm. so great, which is probably my third turning point um, or moment of influence growing up in a um, yeah not so great household for a period of time. Definitely uh, built a lot of characteristics about myself. Um, next one would be getting a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was 15, like literally as soon as I could get a job, I got a job because when you're that age, you don't uh, have a lot of 
control over the environment you put in, right? Adults make decisions on your behalf and mm-hmm. you have no control. So as soon as I had an opportunity to have some sort of form of control in my life, I did it. I want my own money. I want to make my own choices. I want to go to work and do something. So getting a job, that was the next one where I ran into you again. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, what's the next one? What have I done now? Three? Four? Uh, next one would have been probably falling in love, mm-hmm. surely. Falling in love for the first time is a pretty big one for anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, falling out of love for the first time yeah. is a pretty big one. <laughs> I was just waiting to see when you'd like, <laughs> like pop into your head, oh, falling out. <laughs> Maybe not falling out, but, you know, your first big breakup or heartbreak. Yeah, yeah first heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly influential, yeah. right? Yeah, huge. Um, moving out of home. So when I graduated university, I moved to Auckland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and probably my first, oh, I don't, I've probably got up to eight now, Mason, but my next one's probably, um, well, I moved up to Auckland for the first time for a job in finance because mm. I majored in finance. I thought I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I was pretty good at numbers and I thought, oh, yeah, safe bet. Um, but I hated it, so I... Um, after three months, left and decided to change my career path, which was really, really scary at the time, but massive moment of influence mm-hmm. and another one I think passed down before because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what number we got up to there, but no, yeah, yeah, that's probably good. covered them all. Just got one more after that, though, which would be your man. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might get there. Um, but, yeah, yeah, no, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll start, start from the start. Job okay. at 15. How how did you do that? Did you, have, you didn't have a car, didn't have a license. You know what? First lesson I learnt: it's not what you know, it's who you know. Sometimes. Yeah. My older sister worked at the warehouse. My mum worked at the warehouse. How do you think I got the job? Hey sis, <laughs> <laughs> get us a job. Uh, nah, I yeah, I mean, I applied. I knew my sister. She put in good word mm-hmm. for me. I got a job. So I, what I would do is go to school. Yeah, I usually get the afternoon shifts, catch a bus. Go to go to work and then I get a ride home from my sister in the nights. It's a pretty sweet gig. As a young fifteen year old, yeah, your driving force was uh, freedom in a way, freedom it, to do what you wanted, to be able to provide for yourself. It was. It was an out. It was. I had no control over anything else in my life, hmm. so that was one thing I could control, and with that control, it gave me a bit more um you know safe and security feeling I could make money to help you know someone if they mm-hmm. needed to my mum for example or whatever it might be um I could start saving in case you know yeah, wanted to get away. Happens, or yeah. um that was the main driving force having some form of control yeah. getting money so in a way growing up tough or in a turbulent area how do you think that has strengthened you today? You talk about you would change it, but you wouldn't change it, obviously, because of what it's done to you. So what has it done to you? How how has knowing what you went through impacted you today? Obviously, it pushed you to get a job, mm. get power to, like, not really power, but, you know, that influence of being able to contribute to stuff. Mm. What about nowadays, Amber? 
Do you think it's built a lot of resilience? Oh, it, yeah, absolutely. I think a big Are you one. More gentle-minded, more empathetic to other people. Yeah, yeah, for sure, all of the above. I think, and it's not something I was, you know, conscious of when I was fifteen years old. But looking back at it now, it taught me without me realizing. Um, taking ownership of your sphere of control. So, I mean, by that I mean, like, you're a, not a victim, but you, maybe I'll just say the word victim, like you're a victim of your circumstances of so many mm. things in life. Like, there's so many aspects of life you can't control for the situation you're in or things that happen around you, but you can't dwell on things that happen as a result of things you mm. can't control. All you can control is with what's within your sphere. So, when you react to things, you can only... Control what you're doing, so don't react to something that you can't control. Yeah, so I could have got really mad at the environment Mm. I was in and blamed that environment for whatever, Mm. or I could be like, okay, this is real shitty. All of these things being dealt pretty shitty. I'm either going to dwell in there or I'm going to like look to the right and be like, okay, what are some things I can do to Mm. help this situation? Um, And I I mean, I didn't realize I, like I said, I wasn't conscious that that's what I was doing at the time, but looking back, it definitely moulded that way of thinking, which um, I think has only just grown as I've gotten older. And so, uh, in turn, it builds resilience, right? Because yeah. resilience isn't necessarily being... And this is something I learned maybe only a few years ago. It's Resilience isn't being positive all the time. It isn't having a shit hand being dealt and going, oh, but look at the silver yeah. lining. It's acknowledging the bad, the shit, and going, okay... What, what am I going to do about it? It's knocked me down. It's made me feel this way. I'm going to stand up and keep going forward anyway. Like, so is this from reading the Resilience Project? I did, yeah, I did do the Resilience Project. Yeah, yeah, and I did the Resilience Journal. So that was um, something that we discussed as well because I read the book and mm. phenomenal, and that's where I started journaling from that. But you went one step further and got the the actual Resilience Project journal. Eh? It was um, yeah, a good friend of mine, Lee. He recommended it to me, actually. Um, And yeah, yeah, I got the journal, which is, it's more of a habit-building thing Yeah. um, for those who have done the journal. But I suppose this as well, like, you're just saying there, now you know what resilience is. The the power of reading, understanding what other things are without anyone telling you. Mm. People who don't read, I've only just learned this, but if you don't read, you know, you don't learn these extra stuff unless someone tells you. Yeah. Someone told you to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's one story that you told me once that um, really defined, I suppose, how how hard you kind of had it sometimes. Is uh, I don't know if you want to share it, but when your car broke down, your very first car. <laughs> this is resilience. If resilience yeah. was defined by a story, it's this story. Hit me, man. What have we got? <laughs> Oh, this, this is where growth comes from. I eh? <laughs> wasn't expecting you to bring this up, but I remember yeah, a lot okay. of things. Yeah, um, <laughs> just, let's paint. Let's paint the scene. So it's maybe eight thirty at night. I was at uni. Mm-hmm. I was studying with some friends. I was doing a strategy management paper. It's like the big paper you work towards at the end. Of the year. So we're all together, like pulling together our presentation, working late. I had a, a Honda Integra. <laughs> Sorry. It was a cool bass, man, but it was... You can say it loudly. P-O-S. <laughs> um, 
it was originally painted red, but the old owner decided he wanted it to be black, so he painted the outside black, but didn't do the interior trim. Nice. This, nice. Isn't, this isn't relevant to the yeah. story, but I'm just <laughs> trying to show Painting you how picture. cool this picture is. Cool. You'd open the door, and it would be it's like red, red trim yeah. on the inside. Yeah, nice. <laughs> anyway, it was a piece of shit. Um, but I was not high on funds. I was studying. I was working, but I travel was really important to me too, so... I, you know, spent a bit of money on traveling overseas yeah. and stuff. And so I didn't have a lot of uh, discretionary money at hand. Uh, one night driving home from uni, my head gasket blew. Um, and then my radiator blew. And so I'm driving down the road, 8.30. Thank God it was nighttime. And my car's literally, like, shaking. There's plumes of smoke coming out from the back. I literally can't see behind me because I look at my <laughs> rearview mirror and it's just smoke. Fuck. Um, but I can't afford a tow truck. Like, I'd yeah. done the mess in my head. I'd had a tow truck before. I'm like, I don't have a couple hundred bucks spare to get a yeah, tow truck. Yeah. So I try with all my might. I'm driving, but anytime I come to, like, a stop at an intersection or whatever, <laughs> the car yeah, would, like, shaking. shake. And so I would just, like, do slow rolls everywhere. I'd get to an intersection and just, like, slow roll so yeah. I didn't have to come to a stop. I'm crying because this is <laughs> – I'm terrified. It's character I'm building s- right there. I'm scared of people getting mad at me on the road because some people yeah. are so mean. I can't afford a tow truck. What am I going to do if this car breaks down on the side of the road? What am I going to do? I need a car to get to work and get to uni. And – um I made it all the way from where the university is to, um, you know, there's lights in Hamilton East and, you know, where the Ebert, Ebert Audi or Ebert? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lights in Hamilton East. I pull over to the side of the road because, like, there's water. I can literally see water coming out of my bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> I pull over. I'm in tears. I've got, like, ten empty water bottles in the back seat because I'm used to this. Yeah. I'm a veteran. So I grab all these bottles. I go to the... Chinese restaurant just up the road I asked them like please can I go into your back kitchen and fill these up with water yeah yeah sure fill all these bottles up with water go back to my car fill up the radiator like almost as fast as I'm filling it up like the water's spitting out um yeah I get it going again I I somehow make it all the way to Dinsdale um to park it outside someone's house that I knew yeah um and yeah I'm like literally in tears it was was so horrific (laughs) um Long story short, the car was never drivable again, and I got like 50 bucks from the Scrap Palace yard to take it away. <laughs> so, no insurance, obviously? Oh, uh, did I have insurance? Holy heck, that's bad. I don't even know if I had insurance. This doesn't co- I had third party fire and theft. Oh, yeah. Like the that bare was, minimum. That's what I had. So, I couldn't I get well. anything with it. Um, yeah, so 50 bucks, 50 bucks from Scrap Palace. So, like, stories like that. Um, I know lots about cars now, though. Well, not lots. I know about spark plugs, radiators, head gaskets. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe that's the extent. And how to change a tyre, because nice. I've had a couple of fat tyres. Yeah. Nice. And now look at you driving a big tank. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this, like, well, I suppose, how do you think this uh, fueled the fire for you to gain success and achieve Everything you set out to do. I certainly haven't achieved everything I set out to do. No, but like to that drive. I, yeah, that that's a big. What's the driving force? Because I see you as someone who sets like your high bar for yourself, um, and you go out there and uh, give it your all. 
um, with resilience, as we discuss, such as a story like <laughs> that is like your bottom and your bottom, right? You know, like pushing through, learning from that. It's like ten dollars in my bank account. <laughs> oh. What has changed? Like anything? Oh, heaps. I think. Uh, and to be honest, like my... Do you think that's where the fuel to like succeed has come from, is the hardships that you've experienced, not wanting to be there again? My mother and father are both um, incredibly hardworking mm-hmm. people. Both incredibly hardworking people. Um, they had kids really young, um, and so I, I don't know really how to word it, but... My mum especially, you know, she worked her jobs to put food on the table for Mm. her kids. She was a single mum for quite a while there. Um, And so I think I have that drive from Mm. them. I'm just very grateful that at the sort of time in life I was placed into it and the things that I experienced, I went, oh, it's not like you cherry pick the aspects you want from your family, but I knew very clearly what I didn't want out yep. of life, and I think that's been a large part of what's shaped where I've gone. But my hard work and drive is definitely from my parents, like, yeah. honestly. Well, they sh- they show you how to live, in a way. Yeah. Because that's um, your idol, I suppose, your role model. A hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah, also, I mean, success is arbitrary, right, the way you define it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have to answer it. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, so, past relationship. Mm-hmm. Do you think love is blind? <laughs> have you watched it? Um, what? Is that a movie? It's a TV show is on it? Netflix. Love oh, is blind. of course not. It's like Love is Blind US, Love is Blind Brazil. What is that about? <laughs> okay, so... Is it about like legit like two people dating and then having really terrible shit and then breaking up? They can't see each other. Oh, what? Yeah, so they're literally put in a pod... One like one person on each side, and then there's like a wall in between them, and they talk to each other, and they figure out that they fall in love. Love is blind. Fuck, maybe I should go on this. <laughs> Does it work? You need to watch the show. I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> okay. Um, love. I Do you think, think your first love maybe is blind? Might be a better way to put it. I'm not blind's the right word. I think it definitely you. Um, What's the word? You have rose quartz glasses on. Um, Is that the right way to put it? Yeah, like you don't see things as clearly um, because you're in it. Mm -hmm. Right. You love someone when you're that age especially. You unknowingly become quite, um, I don't know if dependent's the right word, but you almost define your identity with this person. Mm, mm. And so you don't know like identity. what you're going to be like without them. Yep, yep. Sounds like silly thinking back to it now, but I don't blame past Amber or anybody else who's in this situation because that's just the it's way just it is when you're that young as well. Um, so I wouldn't say it's blind. I would say it definitely blurs logic yep. and <laughs> common <laughs> sense sometimes because you're emotionally attached. Because you're in your first one for quite some time, right? Yep, yep, my first serious relationship, we were together for maybe six, six and a half years, yeah. Anything else you want to add on that? <clears throat> um, Do you want to talk about relationships? Yeah, 100%. I think the thing I'll probably add there is 
I mean, it's a moment of what's the word that we coined it before? Um, influence. Mm-hmm. So when that relationship ended, it was kind of scary, you know, because I, I mean, we were together from when I was 17 to 22, 23. So, hold on, I'll stop you there. A young little Amber. Yeah. Starting to become an adult, learning how to do stuff for herself, etc. Getting into a relationship at a young age. He was a bit older too, wasn't he? Yeah. So, a bit more of a, someone who could provide for you. Do you think you kind of leant into it a little bit? Nah, I don't think it was like that. It was more, I was 17, I don't think it has anything to do with that, nah. No, I was just wondering, by the end, when you're 17 to 22, then you kind of, you experience a lot more in life, and then you kind of open your eyes and go, oh, I could do all this by myself, or anything like that. Nah, see, this is what I mean when it was scary, right? Because when we separated, mm. for totally other reasons, um, I realised... Yeah, I don't know who I am. Yeah. Yeah, because... So that identity you mentioned? Yeah, and I think it wasn't that I didn't know who I was. It was more like, whoa, I think I know who I am, but for the past however long, I haven't actually been investing in that Mm -hmm. side of myself. I'd been investing and giving into someone else or something else that didn't actually align to who I was and what I wanted to be. So that's really confronting when you're 22, 23 years old. Um, hopefully the camera didn't pick up that boom. <laughs> oh, 100% it did. <laughs> um, sparkling water, man. Um, so that's, that was a huge moment of influence. And But, I mean, then again, then it reassures you of, okay, that's not the person I'm meant to be with because yep. I don't feel, I feel like I'm somebody else in my own skin. So you realise you needed to work on yourself and love yourself again kind of thing. I need to figure out who I was. And so what was how did you invest in yourself? What did you do? Literally, this is going to sound silly, had a lot of alone time. Like, yeah. Well, that is what it is. I needed to redefine for myself, like, what actually fills my bucket? Mm-hmm. Like, what brings me joy, happiness? Secondly, what's important to me? What do I value? What do I want those around me to value or see in me? And I think just being brutally honest with yourself mm-hmm. about those things is so important. So I spend a lot of time alone figuring out what I like to do for hobbies, like all sorts, and like it's awesome. And then I, re- <laughs> I think I, you know, I reinvested a lot of my time in my friends, my family. I'd found myself in this sort of tunnel where I didn't really talk to. I mean, thank God I never disconnected entirely from my friends, but I also didn't know how to ask for help or yeah. how to confide in others. Um, very well, so learning how to do that and lean on my community. So you'll do that nowadays? Yeah, it's still, it's it's a work in progress mm. for me, to be honest. Um, but I think the main thing I learnt was love is found in all sorts of different places. It's not just romantic. And different forms, yeah. Different forms, you know, you you curate love and friendships, love and family members, love for your hobbies. Like So finding and unlocking that was... So cool. Here's one that just popped into my head. Do you think that everybody has a one true love? Or do you think it's a continual work on? I don't think there's one true love for anybody. That's my that's my thought. Mm. I think you could find someone who could bring out the best of you. Like, there could be a handful of people who you could be suitable for. It's somewhat like <laughs> friendships, but to the next level. 
Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, see, the thing with friendships that. is like you you don't really have an issue when you break up. You just kind of part ways, you know. But there's many different friends. Friendship breakups can be just as hard, I reckon. I'm grateful I haven't had any. Yeah, I was going to say, no, no, no. Let's, let's see this experience because I haven't experienced that. <laughs> no, no, I haven't experienced that. But I've witnessed it. I've seen people go through yeah. it and that's hard because it's love still. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say on that? I can't remember what I was going to say, sorry. Um, so then your finance job, hated it. Yeah. Wasn't working. Three months, quit, got a new job. Yeah. One of the best things you've done. Yeah. Were you scared? Oh, yeah. Shit scared. Yeah. What made you jump? I was 22 and I thought, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. And it was also, actually, you know what scared me into it the most was picturing the next 20 years of my life staying where I was. Oh, yeah. So your fear was staying where you were. Yeah, what my, like, I think what, yeah, what it was, was I found myself in this role, which for some people finance is their thing, and that's Mm. totally cool. What I learned was it's not my thing, because it's, for me, my, my career path was almost like I guaranteed it was, maybe you'd work for different companies or on different projects or with different businesses, but ultimately like the the pathway was very cemented in a way mm-hmm. and I didn't like that at all because I thought what if I change my mind in five years what if I decide one day I want to go work for an airline what if I like I just I realized about myself I like going back to HBDIs I don't think this is on the podcast but we talked about HBDIs mm. I'm quite dominant in yellow which is creative. And so I learned about myself and that, that I like every day to have a bit of freedom within a framework for me to mm-hmm. get creative. That's when I'm at my best and that it wasn't there. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do for a role, but I could define it by a few characteristics. I wanted um, freedom to, if I wanted to go work for an airline in five years or a cruise ship company or build my own business, I could do that all the things transferable. I want to build relationships with people and I want every day to be a little bit different. But I didn't know what that role looked yeah. like. I just invested my thoughts in that and thought, okay, well, this definitely does not fit those things. So, God. <laughs> so you bounced. Yeah. As a stereotypically, just putting a big blanket over everything, normally after high school, guys get a trade. What do females get? What do females get? Yeah. Is it nursing, teaching? Is that like, just a, your blanket generic term. This is no no relevance to you. I'm just it's just a question. You know no when you're at school and you're like, oh, tell the guys go get a trade, go get a trade. What do you tell the females? Do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> There's no blanket. There's no blanket in my eyes. You want to go get into trades, girl? Get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what the blanket would be. I don't, I literally don't know because yeah. I just popped into my head the other day. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Is your industry male dominated? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, but it's it's uh it's a work in progress. I would say it's a lot better than it was. So what's it like being a young up and coming female? It depends on the community you put yourself around. I think I'm quite grateful to have a good trusting network around me. Yeah, so I feel very supported. Yeah. So you end up transferring into a great job, the one you're still in now? No, yes, yeah, so I've moved I've moved a few times Over. since, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the first role I got, I was a sales rep. Yeah. 
that's why I was so scared too because I've gone like from studying finance so all of a sudden I'm like not to discredit sales reps at all it's an incredibly tough job but it's just certainly not what I planned for my oh my god what am I doing but every day was a little bit different I was yeah. building relationships with customers and my pathway wasn't defined like there were so many different so it ticked a few boxes yeah, yeah I was like okay well this isn't the end role but hey it's building towards um that I moved through like a few different roles and uh, I mean the role I'm in now is totally different but it's it ticks all those boxes even more mm-hmm. um yeah, I love my role, and uh, yeah, it could, it's it's transferable too. Too. So. So then, what did you get into? So my role now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a um, key account manager, commercial key account manager for like an FMCG company. Um, so it's like a perfect mix of um, commercials, relationships. Um, and forward strategy planning. So you get that creativity, yeah. that freedom, all that stuff. Tix, tix, you tick all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Do and it's given get... me what I need. Like if tomorrow I woke up and I want to go work for Air in, in New Zealand yeah. and work on their strategy team or build a business, which is a, a big ambition of mine. Like I think I'm building the right tools in my toolkit to do that. And yeah. that freedom for my life is like... That's what I needed. Mm-hmm. Do you get imposter syndrome? Yes. Do you think it's a given? I think, oh, this is so good. I actually had a conversation on this the other day. Wait, actually, it was Stephen Bartlett. He did a little yeah. bit on imposter syndrome. Have you listened to it? No, not recently. So he talks about imposter syndrome, and and to me, I related to it by anxiety. Imposter syndrome... It's almost a given, right? Almost mm. every single person I've talked to at some point in their life has had imposter syndrome. But what do you do about it? Do you like acknowledge its existence and dwell in it? Mm. Or you? He talked about if you don't have imposter syndrome, then maybe you're in the wrong environment. Or you're just an arrogant prick. <laughs> or that. Oh, but for me, that's the opposite side, isn't it? Really. Well, the way I see it is, you know everything. You're confident, and are you pushing yourself enough then? Then no, be no, because you're okay. just you're you're happy knowing everything. Either that, which is or fine that. if say you're up there in the age bracket, or you don't want to push yourself day to day. If you don't have imposter syndrome, then you're complacent. I would spin it slightly and say there are times where I haven't felt imposter syndrome. Yeah. And on reflection, it's because I was in an environment where maybe I wasn't pushing myself enough in the community that was around me. I thought I was at their level already or maybe slightly above. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, I wasn't pushing myself or putting myself around people or on projects or, or anything where the people around me, I thought, what am I doing at the table with these people? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't deserve to be here because they're like... Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's exactly where you should be. Mm. So if you're not around people who are like far above where you think you are, which we know is we always are, are harsh on ourselves, but yeah. are you pushing yourself? That's how we sp- spun it, Stephen Bartlett, in yeah. this like one minute 30 audio, which I found quite interesting because when I think about all the times I've felt imposter syndrome, I was in an environment where I was like, oh, I'm not good enough to be here. So in a work sense, how are you continually challenging yourself? I think... To, to, I suppose, climb that ladder, like... 
is it just given in your day to day work, or do you have to actively seek this? Oh, you've actually got to seek it. Yeah, I think you take ownership for your development mm-hmm. and what you want to be working on. Make it known, and put yourself in those situations. It's totally up to you. I mean, thankfully, if I look at my, um, I mean, role changing is obviously natural to do that. But um, outside of that, it's up to you. And it's not just professional either; it's personal. Yeah, one of these questions I've got is: um, if you're not challenging yourself, you're not developing yourself. What are you doing to challenge yourself at the moment? Me? Mm. <laughs> no, I'm talking to Benny over there. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Benny? <laughs> um, this is personal, mainly. Mm. Uh, talk talk, and confide more. Mm. And, um, what does this look like? Opening and up and being vulnerable. Yeah, I think... Um, oh, you haven't asked me this question yet. His favourite quote. Oh, yeah, okay. That's yeah. Bit, yeah. There's this book called The Boy, The Horse, The Fox and the Mole. Yeah. Have you read it? I haven't read it. I've, got, I've followed it on Instagram and ah. I see the little quotes every now and then. It's like a kid's book. Oh, well, it's a kid's book, but the author in, it, in his little... Charles something, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember his name. But in the little bit at the front, yeah, he talks about how, like this, you know, by nature, it's a children's book, but you could read it if you're eight years old or 80 years old. Mm. And it would still apply. Like you just interpret different things out of it. And the quote I love most from that is, I'm probably going to absolutely butcher this, but the boy asked the horse like, hey, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? Or said, and the horse says, "Um, help. And he goes, well, why is that? And he says, well, because um, something like I had to learn that asking for help wasn't giving up. In fact, it was refusing to give up. Mm. And that was like, that, yeah, probably hit, hit a nerve that I didn't realise I had. Was that a nerve at a, some point in your life that you're like, made the connection? It was... What were you going through? It was more, so I read this book literally only a year ago. It was more, it hit a chord because it made me think back to... My father, mm-hmm. um, and him when when he passed away. That was probably the most vulnerable I've ever been in my entire life, because I. It, it was exactly this quote. Because if I hadn't have asked for help, I would have been giving up. Like I was, um, I'd literally I was put in a position where if I didn't ask for help. I had like I had to ask for help mm-hmm. to get through it, um, and I learned a lot about myself through that. I built a lot of really really strong connections. I had really unlocked and learned about the power of my family, and particularly my two older sisters. What do you um, mean by the power? Well, I'd never gone necessarily to my two older sisters to confide mm-hmm. and ask for help and support. Not that we weren't close. I just I don't know, but we were in the same, you know, trauma, Mm -hmm. I guess, and misery loves company. (laughs) Is that the saying? I'm just trying to, what, misery loves company? As in? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I've just never heard that term before. Oh, it's, obviously, misery's not great, but if you're going through something traumatic, nothing is more 
you don't feel as supported or understood then by someone who's gone through the exact mm-hmm. same thing or going through the exact same thing at the same time. Yeah. So that's the same, like Misery Loves Company. Um, and we literally built like this force around each other to get through it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I talked a lot to my friends about it and oh man, the power of simply asking for help, the weight just... <sighs> so have you um, utilised that? In say work as well, other things. Yeah. Now you're you're not afraid to ask. Hundred percent. Not afraid to put your hand up. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever necessarily been afraid to ask questions. It's more when I'm putting myself in a vulnerable position is the scary part. Because um, for me, it was I used to think if you asked for help or if you ever seemed like you weren't okay. No one's going to look to you to support them. And I like the idea of seeming like the strong one or the one that... So it probably stemmed from your childhood. Yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah, but... Um, so if we delve into your father then. Mm. Give us an overview, quick, quick overview of what happened, what it's like, because I've never experienced it. I haven't known anyone. To have cancer, um, well, I have known of, but I've never, never been first hand affected by it. Yeah, no, neither. Um, <laughs> before this happened, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's um, share your experience. Yeah, sure. I um, so it was actually maybe uh, a few months after I'd moved house, I'd gone through um, the breakup, which at the time was. Um, the most what's the word? Um, traumatic? No, not traumatic. Um, what's that? When something like it's very emotionally draining. Let's just okay, say, yeah. yeah. So at that point in time, it was the biggest. Um, I don't know. No, yeah, I'm trying to come up with like I, a big yeah. like. I think um, you know what I'm trying to a say. A big <laughs> thing to break apart, like anyway. normality. Anyway, to change your um, life perspective. And then yeah, that changed very quickly, and that was deprioritized dramatically <laughs> because. Um, yeah, I had learned that my dad had just been diagnosed with um, lymphoma cancer um, in his brain, um, which just shook. Uh, so what is lymphoma? It's like a blood, clan- blood cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially he'd uh, been getting these really bad headaches and then... Um, yeah, eventually got got it checked out because, bless him, um, I also have picked up this habit, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm fine, I'll shake yeah, it off. Yeah. He was, yeah. Um, yeah, it got to a point where he literally couldn't shake it off. And so got it checked out. Um, came up to Auckland, got a scan, um, got a biopsy done, which is where they literally, yeah, cut a hole there and, Took out a sample, took some testing, and yeah, it came back, um, unfortunately, with the worst possible outcome. Um, and that shook my entire world, and my priorities shifted, and Dad was right up the top. I mean, as for anyone, it would. Um, the, uh, the, the, the spanner in the works when this happened was it was during or near the back end of the first ever lockdown we went into. So this was 2020. 
he was diagnosed in um, May, which is after the initial big lockdown and yeah. stuff. But, but still the protocols, restrictions. Yeah. the protocols were out the gate. So um, his treatment option um, could only be done in Auckland because it was very intense inpatient um, chemotherapy, um, which he had to get done in Auckland. Um, and with all the protocols in place, he literally could only have one named visitor for his entire treatment, and that was me, which I absolutely, I'd go back and do it all over again, um, but it was also a lot of pressure at the time, oh, yeah. and a lot of things you're going through, but, um, so, yeah, my dad uh, underwent treatment, um, very intense, there were four stages to the treatment, um, each all inpatient, so he had to be in hospital for the entire time, uh, so, Honestly, and, and like thinking back, I don't know how I how, but you know, it's this whole resilience and adrenaline piece. But I would go to work, work full time, come come and see him. Honestly, uh, yeah, it was pretty tough. It was tough. Um, strongest man I absolutely know. He had a brave face the entire time. I'd walk in, hey, darling, how's your day? Like when he's had the worst possible day yeah. ever. Um, we grew incredibly close over that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can imagine. Go in, make him a hot chockey, watch uh, the chase. Yeah. Um, and he responded really, really well to treatment. Um, and thankfully when the, like a lot of the restrictions from COVID lifted, um, we were able to, drive to Hamilton a couple of times to stay with my sister and so we hung out there and we even took him to Whangarei one of the times he was out um, so we can meet Tracy, his life partner, and um, my two younger sisters, mm-hmm. Candice and Talia and Zane, um, to fill his bucket because he honestly was uh, yeah, going through it. They're pretty lonely as well. Oh, incredibly lonely, like... And yeah, yeah. So he he braved through it all. He responded incredibly well to treatment, um, to the point where he was discharged. Um, the swelling in his brain has gone down. The mass had, you know, pretty much all. It, I mean, it had all disappeared at this point. Mm-hmm. But what they do is before they officially put you into remission, you go home and you come back for a hundred day scan. So he was doing brilliant, like. The doctor even was like blown away by how he'd responded. Um, so we took him home to Kirikiri in November. Um, I got a phone call in February that he had collapsed into seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, he was flown down to Whangarei Hospital. Um, and was given nine weeks. Yeah. And so what was the cause of that? It's still around? It grew back. Yeah. Very aggressive. Um, how do they know nine weeks? Like, how is that just an arbitrary number? I can tell you. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> oh. uh, that's an understatement, I guess. Yeah. But it's, yeah, all sorts of emotions. Um, I think I... I f- yeah, it is a little bit difficult to talk about it now, to be fair. And I 
I just I guess the one message I would like to iterate there is he's literally the strongest man I know and um yeah, to see it come back on him I just thought it was incredibly unfair. Uh, you start to question everything about life. You're like, what's the point? Uh if someone like this, like the best man in the world, hard working, provides for his family and you've got other people in the world who you know treat it. Um, and it happens to him So you, you literally question everything um, So, But he's a stubborn man um, He was given nine weeks He made it to ten Oh yeah. <laughs> Why not? That's Palmer for you um, But yeah, no, so that was tough um, So it was almost like If I were to define that by moments of influence The first one would be Dad being diagnosed and going through the treatment and watching him go through that was horrendous. Um, but we built very, very strong relationship. Not that we weren't close before that. Like, we didn't have a bad relationship, but we weren't... He, I mean, he lived in Kirikiri. He, was, you know, had a new family. But we grew really, really close, and I started to, like, see all these similarities of myself yeah. in him, and that was really special because I'd been told my whole life I, I sound so much like my dad and I look so much like my dad, and I'd be like, oh... Aim, like, yeah. that's so rude. <laughs> and then the more I hung out with him, I'm like, actually, I'm incredibly proud to even resemble you. Yes. You're incredible. Um, and so there's that moment of influence. And then the relapse, like, that was tough. I mean, more tough for him than anybody else, absolutely. Um, strong man. So when you're someone who likes to provide for everyone else, to all of a sudden need them to take mm. care of you is, yeah. Um, what was the hardest part? Probably that, yeah, mm-hmm. watching. Uh, Did you feel helpless? Yeah. 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 How did you, uh, I think you didn't, but how did you mentally get through it? You say that by the end of it you had to ask for help, but the day-to-day working your ass off, Putting somewhat your life on hold, like, did you have any mental ways of coping, aiding yourself? Yeah. Or was it just like you say, you're in the moment, you're in the adrenaline, you're just, you're doing what you have to? It's a little bit of both, I think, initially. So I, you know how I mentioned earlier, when he was going through the treatment, go to work and then I'd go see him. The reason I'd sort of mentioned that was... um, if I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't do it like that. But thinking back, that was my coping mechanism. Um, and it's something I probably got from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. I needed to keep my mind busy and control what I could control mm-hmm. um, so that when I showed up in the evening time to hang out with him and see him, because I could only see him for a couple hours a day, I was at my best, I guess. So going to work was almost, in my way, filling my bucket, keeping my mind busy so that he got the best. Um, But it's finding the limit, and I don't think I did everything perfect. I think I uh, maybe went to that extreme a little bit too much sometimes in order to avoid and get through it. Um, And that probably shone through more in his relapse. Um, Because, so, I guess I avoided a lot during it. 
Um, I mean, there were times where I would have a bit of a breakdown and cry, but for the most part, I just you just because you have to just stick it yeah. out, make it through, make it through, make it through. Um, and overworked myself probably to a little bit, to a point. Um, and it wasn't until after he'd passed um, that's when I really hit rock bottom, probably. And a couple of weeks after he passed, I just spiralled. It was almost just absolute emotional burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, so your work was quite accommodating. I remember you talking to me about that, mm. um, giving you time off and stuff like that. Mm. How valuable was that? To be not just treated as another number in the workforce, but to be, I suppose, in a way treated like part of the family. Yeah, incredibly important. I wish I'd... Uh, Utilised it more looking back because yeah. <laughs> they absolutely gave me the offer of um, taking more time off and I didn't. I would literally, I remember like, I mean, in order to keep myself sane, I would remove myself from the situation to rebuild my bucket, which I don't regret, but it was the driving to Kirikiri in Auckland back and forth, sometimes whipping up my laptop in the middle of the day. Yeah hang some clothes on the washing, do whatever, take care of whatever, get back on the laptop. Like, I should have just switched off more than I did. It was just survival, I think. Um, Are you afraid of um, losing that workforce now? Like, we talk about um, Korea just before. Are you afraid of losing a great workforce and rejoining with a a poor, bad, bad job force? Or is it just something that you know that exists, so if you ever come across something that's the opposite, you're just like, no, fuck this. To be honest, you you create the environment you're in. Um, doesn't mean you can predict and know exactly what something's going to be until you're in it, but I just trust myself to follow my intuition, follow my gut, and it might not even be to another company, you know, my own yeah. business. Or um, I think I trust my gut. History tells me to just do that. You might not know exactly what it looks like, but you just be honest with yourself and invest in the right things. You'll. What does your gut sound like to you? She crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, like how do you how do you know that's your gut speaking? Like, how do I know it's my gut speaking? Hmm, that's a good question, Mason. Because I don't know. Got to trust I'm, it. Yeah, like. It's, Although women meant to have it more than men, apparently. It's that intuition. It's the, as long as you're being honest with yourself, peace, I think. Yeah. Like, brutally honest. So learning how to put your hand up, ask for help. What else What else kind of came through this defining moment? Um, I learned a lot about myself mm-hmm. through my dad. I... Definitely learnt the value. Not that I didn't have it before, but definitely not as strong of the most important things in life aren't material. Yeah. Like my dad was I mean, he was incredibly hard working. But he didn't need much. You know, all he needed was his family, good meal on the table and a bourbon. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't need much. And he would wear the same, you know, 
gumboots or, or pants he'd had for 20, 25 years because he got them for a bargain at the local op shop. Like, he didn't need much to be happy. And that was quite confronting, I think, because, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Life is short, so be honest with yourself. Invest in what's important to you. And the value of community. So it's probably, you know, when you asked me earlier, what are the things I'm grateful for? My community. Um, so keeping them close, knowing when to ask for help, being there for them, vice versa. And, yeah, but honestly, above all, life short. Life is... And it's unfair. It can be unkind. What are you going to do about it? Like, it's a shit hand, but I couldn't control that. So how do you deal with grief now? If you were to share tips or tricks on that. Grief, uh, from what I learned, lasts a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. Right, that might sound silly. Um, but it, it just changes form slightly. Like, there's the initial emotions and, I guess, peak of what's going on and all of that, and then there's the trough and then there's, like, the really hard part and it's, it stays there for, I mean, it's different for everybody. But even as your day-to-day starts to feel a little bit more normal when you accept more and more, it doesn't go away. Like, it'll shock you. It'll just come up, like... I'll see a Pink Floyd album or Tom Petty or a HSV Holden cap and I'll break down. Like, it literally, mm. it, it lasts a lot longer than I thought it would. Like, it's never ending. So there's something that Anna mentioned as well. Is it's not necessarily moving on, but it's carrying on. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I don't really know you how to articulate got to, it. But uh, learn to... To live with the fact that what has happened has happened, not necessarily forget the fact. Yeah, and the weird way to put it, and I think my sister said this was, and it's not like you expect everybody else in the world to dwell with you, but mm-hmm. when you go through a big loss, not long after, you know, you get, like, the people around you come and support, and I'm really sorry for your loss, or they, they yeah. offer their aids of support. But after a certain amount of time, like life, life goes on. Everyone has their own lives to live as well, mm. and you too. You know, you get back into the routine of your life, and it's that part which starts to feel a little bit like, oh, right, yeah, life just goes on. Wow, like, and everybody else is living their life so normally, but I'm like carrying this big sh- like shadow with me. Mm. Like, it's such. I uh, yeah, I don't really know how to explain it, and it's not like you expect everybody to bring it up. Like, yeah. All the time, but it's just like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, life really does just go on, but I've got to carry this with me yeah. forever. It's, and ev- I mean, everyone goes through grief, but it's that, that that part I didn't know until I experienced it, yeah. Do you think you'll do anything for, like, uh, cancer support or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've given it a list. lot of thought recently. Yeah, I don't know what that looks like, but stay tuned. I wish I could have plugged it in here, but... Yeah. I haven't got it yet, but I'll let you know. Maybe you can advertise it for me. Yeah, well, when <laughs> yeah, you, absolutely. Um, Matt's one will come out before yours, and listen to that. That's pretty inspiring. The um, fella that's uh, has done a lot of fundraising. That's awesome. 
Is it the guy who went and walked the whole... No, no, not that guy. Uh, That was someone else, yeah, who cycled around. Ah, yes. Ah, this one. He ran 645 kilometres in October a couple of years ago for I'm Hope, which was the amount of people who committed suicide that year. Uh, And then this year he... Or, yeah, the start of this year he did... uh, Oh, no, it might have been last year. Anyway, 607 holes of golf in 10 days. And he talks about... um, Idiots will keep on going when idiots are clapping. So if you want to do something, if you want to be stupid and be an idiot, I'll clap for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll um, keep you posted. Was there anything else you wanted to add on on everything, your life's journey? I've got a couple of extra questions, but not relevant. Anything I want to add? Um, What's something you can teach me? <laughs> no, we talk a lot. We don't have enough time. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, look, I don't know. I think the main thing, and I've probably said it way too much already, but just always be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Even if it's hurts a little bit to hear, none of us are perfect, but I think acknowledging those things to yourself doesn't have to be that anybody else is the most important thing. Um, keep those you love close. Your community. When was the last time you cried before now? Yesterday. Yesterday morning. With laughter? No. No. Was that to do with the old man? I don't know what else to do with, to be honest with you. I couldn't even tell you. Crying is incredibly good for the soul. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't need a good reason sometimes. Sometimes you just need... uh, the perfect song at the perfect moment. <laughs> okay. nah. um, yeah, it was yesterday morning, to be honest with you, but not for anything really bad. Like, it was just, yeah. yeah. What is your definition of rich at this stage in your life? You discuss about yeah. your old man not having, not needing much, you know. Um, you talk about monies and everything. So what does wealth or richness mean to you? Love and friendships, hundred percent. I mean, love for family, absolutely. But friendships, honestly, and make sure you're investing in those. Um, the love I have in my friendships, the support, the memories, um, community I have with them is, uh, yeah, utmost. Um, what else makes you rich? experience Mm -hmm. a big one for me at the moment is trying new things that my intuition or whatever is telling me to do or was that one of your I don't actually think I wrote this down but yeah what are are some of these things you've been trialing (laughs) tell us you got into dancing (laughs) didn't you You, okay yeah just to preface so richness to me at the moment is trying new things experiences while I'm young while I can while I have the resources and freedom to do so to learn more about myself and just honestly enjoy it because life is short. Yeah. Um, a couple of the ones I've tried, um, I mean, frisbee golf, plenty of people have tried that, but I never have, so frisbee golf was a big one. Uh, bachata, dance classes. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What, Random. what country is that from? Bachata. South American. I don't know exactly what one, but um, you know, it sort of sits in the same category, I guess, as salsa, but slightly different. 
Um, that go. You're about to form anytime soon. Um, Back at the dance moves on a Saturday night. Look, not every experience is a winner, but <laughs> hey, I had fun while I did it, but yeah. I probably won't become a bachata dance teacher. Um, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, you got quick feet? Or were you pretty clumsy? <laughs> Nimble feet. I'm clumsy, but yeah. No, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, I've got a record player, so I've yeah. learned a lot about... Um, Setting up a record, you know, with the little, yeah, yeah, the little how to clean it, maintain um, it, take care of it. Got a bit of a record collection. Point. I noticed that over there. Um, I've got that album, the Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Nice, one of my favorites. Um, electric guitar is probably. Oh yeah, the you're learning one. how to play guitar. Right? Yeah, super impulsive. Um, definitely influenced by my father. Um, I mean, he played guitar. He didn't play electric guitar. I mean, he could, but he played mainly acoustic. But he absolute musical genius like he just knew so much he um yeah I credit him to my very diverse music tastes yeah um yeah and I have always loved the sound of electric guitars like the solos like if we're talking Pink Floyd um like comfortably numb solo um all of that, like, I just, it sounds so beautiful. And I used to always think, like, man, it'd be so cool to just. Just play it. And then one day I just had a, like, man, I realised literally any hobby in the world, all the resources are available to learn. If you want to learn a language, bachata, <laughs> ice skating, which I also love, uh, all the resources are available to go learn that hobby. Like, you just got to invest mm. in it. Uh, so I was like, Shit, I could learn electric guitar. Uh, so I went down to my lo- local KBB music store, dropped money on electric guitar. She's beautiful and an amp. Did you start on an acoustic? No, straight, straight. straight to electric. Oh. The guy thought I was crazy. <laughs> I was like, hey, mate, you're getting commission. Sell me this guitar. <laughs> um, she's beautiful too. I think I've showed – I don't know if I've showed you no, a I've never seen it. Um, I thought you had an acoustic. No, no. I mean, you, you could just – not play it with the yeah, amp yeah, and it yeah, kind of yeah. sounds acoustic. Um, yeah, so now I'm learning how to play electric guitar. So you've only got a certain amount of time in the day. You yeah. know, 24 hours, 8 hours you sleep, kind of. 8 hours you're working. You live in Auckland, so there's probably 2 hours of commuting. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hell no. So how do you prioritise time to do what you love? to learn new things, to spend time with family, friends, your community. Mm-hmm. How, how do you do that? How, how do you prioritise? Mm. Uh, you binge Netflix at all? Sometimes I do. Hell oh, yeah, yeah the yeah. drive to survive. Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody's perfect. Sometimes quality time is doing nothing, to mm-hmm. be fair. Like, that's what I know about myself. Sometimes my emotional and social battery is... Um, you talk about like life's too short. How have you, for one, not become like I need to do everything all at once, mm. uh, but also learnt to prioritise what gives you value? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't really know because it's not like I go, oh, yeah, Amber, you're going to spend 30 minutes doing guitar today and then you're going to do this and then you're going to do that. That's not how I like to be. You don't schedule your days. No, definitely not. Like I do to a certain extent, but when it comes to that – not to the script because what I know about myself is my mood can change 
quite quickly. I don't know. And so sometimes I'll get to the end of the day and I need to send, spend some quality time with myself or I just want to pick up the phone and call my mum or whatever that might be. So I think, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I just Do you think you're wasting time sometimes? Nah. Nah. Wasting, like, because wasting time, it depends how you define it. Mm. Like, sometimes doing nothing, to me, is how I want to spend my time at that exact moment. So you I don't, don't waste time wasting. scrolling on TikTok. I don't have TikTok. No, it's good. But sometimes I scroll on Instagram, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I need at that moment. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, I don't know. I do what feels good. And it's it's that being honest with yourself feeling. And what I find is the days where I've invested in those things man how good do you feel at the end of that day Mm. like I I mean my electric guitar is super easy it's right by my bed so I will always I'll play on that every single day maybe like sometimes it's only five ten minutes but I'll always do it like every single day I will always carve out time at least once a week to go grab a drink or dinner with a friend um I'll call my mum or my mum will call me (laughs) more often at least once a week um like it's just being conscious of how you're investing your time and um, marrying that up against what you say is important to you mm-hmm. is probably the key. Um, yeah. So if you say quality time with friends and family is important to you, but if you actually look at how you're investing your time, it's doesn't uh, add up. Then you're either not being honest with yourself, or you need to change how you're investing your time. And that's something the Resilience Project taught me. Yeah. Um, irrelevant to what we've just been doing. Another random question. <laughs> Great. Cool. I love sidesteps. Oh, did you want to bring <laughs> no, it in? No, no, no. Carry <laughs> on, okay, okay. What are females attracted to at first sight? <laughs> <laughs> a long hair and a killer moustache, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ain't working for me. Oh, is this a straight physical attraction? I don't know. Well, yeah, first sight. I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that on behalf of all females or people who are attracted to me. And I, I, I don't know. A big old smile. Yeah. Smile, yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Oh, chiseled jawline, big shoulders, height. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Can you be friends with someone you've had sex with? <laughs> you didn't see these coming, I <laughs> This is, I mean, I was about to say, this is the most interesting podcast I've ever been on, but it's the only podcast I've ever been on. (laughs) It's the interesting one I've listened to live. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What if I said to you that um, I'm struggling with life right now, that I'm not okay? Hmm. How would you address that? How can I help? Step into my office. <laughs> now, if I say that my life's great, um, I suppose we, we talk about peaks and troughs before. I think I had a trough last weekend. Mm. I can't remember when the upcoming again, but the underlying issue is still there, which is what the fuck am I doing with my life? How do you know what to do with your life? There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. You can't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, I had a great chat with Matt the other day. So 
That's what I mean. Like, I'm on the high at the moment. I think the key there is to take the pressure off yourself and having the answer. Like, you're not meant to know the answer. Mm. And I think podcasts off for now. Like, I know we're recording, but to be totally honest with you, in the time that I've known you, you're putting a, a great deal of pressure on yourself to have the answer and know what you're doing, mm. where you're going to go, what your five, ten-year plan is. You don't need to know the answer. Like, yeah. so take that off yourself. That's like, what I don't know these days. It's easier said than done. Like, I understand. But literally, dude, like, I don't know where I want to be in five, ten years. You're not meant to know the answer. I think the key is, even if you need to get a pen and paper, you love a pen. So you know, you can't go without it. Write down what you want to be a part of your life in five years. Like, what does that mean to you? Just follow that direction. Like, it could be family, your own family. It could be travel. It could be uh, whatever it could be. But just be honest Mm -hmm. and specific. Mm -hmm. And trust your gut. But then at the same time, in five years' time, don't look at that paper and go, oh, for fuck's sake, I don't have three kids and a dog. Where like, you, five years ago, did you see yourself where you are today? No. Way different, eh? No, no, absolutely not. Would you rather be in prison for five years? <laughs> Where's <or> this going? <laughs> this, this came from... Um, the, it's quite unemployed. Okay. But this comes to the five years. Would you rather be in prison for five years or in a coma for ten? I'd rather be in prison for five years, I feel like. But that's on my permanent record, god damn it. Yeah, okay. Relevant to, to the irrelevant to the answer, okay. we discussed that okay, in ten years time, you you blink and you wake up ten years' time. Mm. The world's changed. So it's like, would you rather be in that anyway, um the world changes so fast and if you look ten years ago now or for us like as mentioned, five years ago, there's no way I knew I'd be here. But do you regret it? No. Exactly. But I feel like I need change. I tried okay. CrossFit this week. Okay, wait, so I'll pause there then. Trust that. If you need a change, do it. That's what I'm trying. <laughs> I can't. What, what can you control? Like My reaction. No, 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 in reality. So you talked about moving, right? Yeah. Are you going to move? I'm trying, I'm looking. Okay. Actively looking. Cool, there we go. You're just controlling what you can control, right? Yeah. Like, what else could you possibly do? Like, don't be so hard on yourself. But trust the I need to change voice and you know when we talk about intuition yeah and how do you know what to listen to you but listen you to don't that. want to throw away what's good but is it good for future Mason or is it good for current Mason I don't know then that's the thing how much emphasis emphasis do you put on future Mason say for A instance, lot. yeah so investments do I put all my money in investments for future Mason or do I consider current Mason what's rich for future Mason <laughs> Curse you. <laughs> um, what's rich for future Mason? Yeah. Ah, uh, freedom. Which, in my eyes, parts of it comes from a monetary, like, uh, I was going to say monetary values, but the ability to have money to do things you want to do because it's an enabler, which it will enable me to travel. It will enable me to, say, uh, buy healthy food without worrying about it. It'll enable me to take my family out for dinner. Uh, so one of my values would be richness of family time, uh, quality friend time. Like, I love my mates. They're fucking fantastic. Wouldn't change it. Similar to yourself. 
in a way, I'm rich now. I am rich, but I'm not satisfied. That's okay. my issue. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'm rich. I'm happy. I'm grateful. Current Mason is. 100%. You've got to take care of future Mason <laughs> as well. Because current and future Mason are different people. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe this is, is going to sound silly. Nah. It's not so silly. But if you look at moments of influence in your life, sometimes one is coming up and you don't realise it and you're changing from current Mason to the next stage of yeah. Mason. Maybe that's what's happening. But I'm trying to force it, I suppose. Yeah, force it I'm then. Trying. Yeah, what's wrong with forcing it? I for- do you think I somebody just gave me a new job after I decided I want, didn't want finance? Nah, I had to force it. You've got to force it and trust that. I, I mean, ask yourself this, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Something Matt was saying is like, um, you know you're going in this general direction and you know it's not going to be bad. So just go with it. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, nothing. And the other thing I'd probably ask is the whole, oh, nah, actually, maybe I'm wrong, but the whole money enabler piece, like you say you're like scared of losing the um, security Mm. of what you've currently got, but what does your current role or job give you that another one couldn't give you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's not. Those same the same value you're getting from that you could get it from 101 different other outlets. Yeah. It's not the only source. I just like as an example of money is like I don't want to say fly over to Bali and become a barista. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't align with my values. Oh, see, there we go. That's important. Yeah, yeah. If I can mm. be an engineer, I'd rather be an engineer than a barista. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose that's a, a definition of what I was going with. Anyway, final questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Favorite porn category. Oh, <laughs> this may be the last one. I did a poll just before. So far, not good. Is it multi-choice? Can you make it multi-choice? The second question is favorite sex position. I'm not if you can't answer porn category, then it's sex position. I'd rather answer porn categories. Oh, then yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, should have given this to me in my homework. I wasn't expecting this. I thought this would be a serious chat. <laughs> this is nothing but. Jesus, my mum might listen to this. How do you think she had you? <laughs> Plain old missionary No, no, no no. Yeah, this is the last one, guys This is it Do you ask every guest this? I have, yes And what's the response you get all the time? Um, Females, there's been a few saying Don't watch it Or I don't like it Or I can't answer that And then then eventually when I had Cullum He's like, well the alternative you should say is What's your favourite sex position? And because everybody has sex Or the parents have had sex Then well, everybody hasn't a sex, so then I'd go to that, and then that gets answered. But sometimes that isn't answered, and I've just recently had some uh, tips saying that it may not be a great question, so this is the last one. And it's just leave it as a cliffhanger. Maybe if I um, yeah. no, we here we go, on. listeners. If if I'm brought on for a second podcast, maybe maybe then you'll find out the answer. You'd have to be, <laughs> you'd have to be forty to get, <laughs> live another life by then. If you were to only have three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Oh, 
great question. Apple pie? Mm. Hmm. Oh, gosh. Can it be complete meals? No. Can't be a burger, can't be pizza. But you've just accepted apple pie. Yeah, well, it's just a, like, I'll just accept okay, the pie. Okay, accept apple pie, okay. Uh, bok choy. <laughs> I love bok choy. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, bok choy is... I should not see that coming. The tits. Yeah? yeah bok choy. Um, <laughs> fried chicken. Okay. Because that can come in so many different shapes and forms. Karage, KFC. <laughs> like, you can fry chicken in so many ways. Yeah, okay, fried chicken, yeah. 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 <laughs> bok choy, though. Yeah, bok choy? Have you, yeah, do you have bok choy? Yeah, not, not by the leaf. I'm not numb. No, I mean, you stir fry it, you boil it. Yeah, but you're having it with apple pie. <laughs> oh, do they, I thought, <laughs> do they have to be in the same final meal? <laughs> well, so I've got apple pie, bok choy. And chicken. And, and fried, fried chicken. chicken. Hell yeah. yeah. What's your three favourites? Um, mine would be like eggs, um, tomato loaf, which is like bread, but like tomato loaf from New Wood, phenomenal. Oh, okay. Uh, and apples. You wouldn't use those apples to make an apple pie? <laughs> nah, what was my bread? <laughs> Missed opportunity, mate. <laughs> uh, do you have a role model or a mentor in your life? Mm. I have a professional mentor. Yeah. Um... What does he or she provide? Why? why? Yeah. Uh, I mean, different things at different times. Sometimes it's just a sounding board, but Mm -hmm. for most often it's a lot of, like, uh, career and profession-focused chats. Kind of sets a target to aim for. Yeah, it's just like having an honest conversation with someone around, this is what I'm thinking, what would be your advice or what's your experience or I'm going through this at the moment, what would you advise or I'm going, you know, it's... You know, a person who's got tremendous experience, they're at the peak of their field and what they're doing. How valuable is that to you? It's good because they're completely unbiased and removed, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they don't work in the industry, they don't work for the company. In fact, they live overseas and I've never met them in person. Like, we've only ever met virtually. Are you serious? Yeah, 100%, yeah. Um, How did you come across this person? I was referred to it from somebody else. Yeah? What, do you pay this person? No. No. Oh, sure. No. Um, but maybe to add to your question too, like that's in a professional sense, but I think in like just from a personal sense, I don't think there's one person I would say is someone I look up to. Like it's, I look up to my mum for how strong Mm -hmm. she is, like literally hardworking. She puts her kids above everything else. Um my sister, like my two older sisters, my dad, as you say, my friends, even yourself, there are things I admire in you. Like you just sort of, you have these people around you mm. and the aim should be you see qualities in them you wish you had more of in yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, So I can't name one, sorry. No, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, what is your style of, oh, you didn't even answer that. Uh, what is your style of life, the way you choose to live it? <laughs> um... Truthful, mm-hmm. yeah. So you mentioned about being honest with yourself. Mm. Is that what you mean? I think so. Like, or does it go deeper than that? Yeah, I think it does. But to be honest, like, I like to have fun. Like, mm. 
I like to work hard and I have a lot of professional goals. But at the foremost, like I just, I, if there were people when they were asked, what do you think of Amber? I would, like I want them to think she's genuine. Like that's the most important thing to me. Because I think, and it probably stems from the fact that as I was growing up and even in moments where I was going through tough things and I wasn't, you know, confiding in other people, you have a tendency to then have a bit of a mask on. Mm-hmm. And so I would say for, you know, most of my life, I wasn't 100% pure, genuine, 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exhausting. Um, and I got to a moment in my life three four years ago where I realised this. You could say a little bit of epiphany, I don't know, flick of the switch. But oh, honestly, nothing is more freeing than... Just being yourself. <laughs> and like it sounds easy, but it took a little bit of uh, self-discovery to figure it's that out. It's not easy because like, you always like, say if you go into a new job, you're trying to fit the specific picture that they're trying to hire. Yeah, but example. the thing is if you don't fit from being yourself, then that's not where you're meant yeah. to be. Like, or if, even yeah, with people, I'm, right? Like making friends. You know, if you be friends with everyone, like, and not everyone's going to agree with you anyway. You could chuck on a mask 20 different times in the day. <laughs> real one like I don't know yeah, no, fair point. what do you want what do I want mm. could be as deep or as vague as you want <laughs> a refill <laughs> um, <laughs> happiness so is that cheesy fuck yes <laughs> all of them everyone <laughs> nearly says happiness yeah are you not happy I want to change my answer, actually, because even though that's true, it's you can't be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. You just can't. All right. So my answer then would be, I just want, damn. Hmm. I want, gosh. This is a really loaded question. You could leave it with a refill. <laughs> yeah, I could. But I realise I brought this for myself. You don't have a refill. No, it'd be water. Um, I can give you an ice cream. <laughs> Honestly, I just... Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one. I don't know if I have a straight answer for you. Part two. Oh, <laughs> here we go. There's another one added to the part two. No, Ooh, yeah. keeping the listeners on here. <laughs> so, if you had an eraser that could raise anything from your past, would you use it? Nah, nah, Why not? I wouldn't. Because it's like that whole time travel piece, right? The flutter of a butterfly's wings. Explain. Have you heard of that? Okay, nah, butterfly effect. I've heard of it. I don't know the definition. Who's to say that if I went back in time and erased something, mm. it would then change something about who I am currently? I, I don't think I'm by any means perfect. I've got a lot to work on, mm. personally, professionally. But also, I am who I am today. Like, up, I, I don't know if I would change anything. Cool. So then, if you had the opportunity to go back to... I was going to say 15, but 15 was pretty critical. 18-year-old Amber. Mm-hmm. So eight. Now, let's go. If you were to go back to 10-year-old Amber, 
Okay, yeah. When you first met me. Nah. <laughs> Ten-year-old Amber, what advice would you give her? Oh. Keep Bianca as a friend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> For brownie points. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she'll make me dinner tonight. <laughs> um, now, nah, honestly, it would be, ah, uh, yeah, it would be, you don't need to be everyone's friend. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Do you I mean, you're you 10 years old. Like, what was that? Do you think you succumbed to that a few times? I mean, it's hard not to when you're 10 years old. Like, I mean, for me anyway, when I was 10 years old, I, um, yeah, I'm, I wanted to be friends with everyone. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be friends with the popular girl, the pretty girl. Like, I know, you're 10 years old yeah. and kids are mean. <laughs> kids are ruthless. But I would just say, like, you don't need everyone. Handpick those real key important ones. They'll see you through. What does the next chapter look like for you? My five, ten year plan? I don't know. <laughs> the next chapter for me definitely involves more travel. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that. I think I told you that earlier. COVID's put a hamstring on that for a lot of people. So doing more of that's important. Um, like I've done it in the last year or so since we've been able to to Australia. But going further than that... Um, Immersing myself in different cultures is super important to me. Um, so having that as a priority, um, more experiences, whether that be travel, more hobbies, mm-hmm. playing a, a sold-out arena, <laughs> Pink Floyd, <laughs> comfortably numb solo <laughs> on my electric guitar. Literally, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, but I know those things will be in it. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe there'll be a career change. I don't know. Not in the near future, but maybe further down the track. So maybe a lot of, lot of exploration. A lot of exploration and figuring it out. Um, maybe a few business ventures. We'll see. It's interesting. Uh, kind of in this age, there's yeah, no right or wrong answer. Yeah. And that's the thing, and that's what you've got to be okay with. So you should take that advice for yourself as well. Yeah. Leave us with a quote or words of wisdom for our listeners. Damn it. I already used it up. Or you can reiterate it. Or I, ah. What was it? Nah, okay. I've got another one, which is a good one. But, you know, the boy, the horse, and the fox, and the mole one. That's my favourite one. So, say it again. Uh, so, the boy asked the horse, what's the hardest thing you've ever said? And he said, uh, help. Um. Because asking for help um, is not giving up, it's refusing to give up. I've probably butchered that, but for those who've read the book, it's in there. You can... That sounds awesome. Um, But the next one I really like is comparison is the thief of joy. Stay in your lane, live life for you, not anybody else. Everyone moves at a different rate. Richness is defined differently by, by everyone, so just follow your own. That's kind of why I brought that up, actually. Okay. Because a lot of people think that money is the... And for some uh, people it is, and that's the quanti- Not the quantity, the, the unit of richness. But to others it ain't. Hmm. It was just the comparison. Hmm. Uh, so my one ended up being from Polo... Don't know how to say it. Colilo. <laughs> I don't know. Colilo. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what book is that from? <laughs> no, it's not from a book. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> nice. One day you wake up and there won't be any more time to do the things you've always wanted. Do it now. Um, yeah, which just popped up, which once again reiterates mm. how I'm feeling at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably a good theme for this whole chat. Thank you so much for your your valuable time. Uh, you were on my initial beginning hit oh, list, but mate, you got shafted way down the bottom, you fucking jaffer. Yeah, I don't want to hear it, to be honest. Uh, I expect my <laughs> paycheck in cash as soon as this stops recording. <laughs> I'll never see you again. <laughs> Discard it. <laughs> nah, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for being uh, open and honest, uh, so vulnerable, uh, especially around your father. I don't know if you... Thought that was coming, or what you assumed was happening. Yeah. Um, and I know that was uh, pretty tough, um, but I very much appreciate it, and I, ho- I hope some other people appreciate it as well. Um, so thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week.